Good morning, Inspired Church. I hope that this broadcast finds you and your family doing well. If it's your first time joining one of our broadcasts and you've never been to Inspire or never experienced one of our services, we want to welcome welcome you as well. I know one of the highlights uh, for all of us every single week when you know on a, on a normal Sunday when we're gathering is connecting with our first time guests. It's, it's, it's literally one of the highlights uh, of our entire week is getting to meet you. So if it's your first time joining us. Uh, you know, you're, you're our guest today. We thank you for joining us and we, we want to meet you and get to know you. So if it's your first time, would you please reach out to us through our text messaging system, uh, through the website, or you can call us in the office and connect with us that way. But we want to hear from you. Well, I'm going to jump right into uh, the word this morning, but before I get into the scriptures, um, someone sent this to me and uh, I found this thought provoking and powerful. And it says this, The official lockdown started March 23rd, and it will likely end on May 1st. That is exactly 40 days. The Latin root of the word quarantine is 40. So what does the Bible say about the number 40? The flood lasted 40 days. Moses lived on the, on the backside of the desert in obscurity after he fled Egypt for 40 years. 40 days Moses traveled uh, and stayed on Mount Sinai to receive the commandments. The, the journey through the wilderness recorded in Exodus lasted 40 years. Jesus fasted for 40 days. 40 days. A, a woman was commanded to rest after giving birth to a child. The optimum number of weeks for human gestation is 40. A theologian believes, uh, most theologians believe the number 40 represents a time of testing and change. It is a time of preparing a person or people to make a fundamental change. Something will happen after these 40 days. Just believe it and pray. Remember, whenever the number 40 appears in the Bible, there is a change. And so by the time this broadcast reaches you, I think this will be May 3rd. Uh, We will be just past the 40 days. And hopefully the quarantine or the shutdown has ended by then. But this just got me thinking that that God is up to something in the midst of all this. I don't know if you have that sense, but I do. And, and so many people are sensing uh, that, that God is up to something. And there's one thing that's for sure is that that change is here and change is coming. In other words, this situation has affected the planet, has affected the nations in such a way that it has redefined normal. I mean, wow. Our pastor, when he began that series this year, Redefining Normal, uh, I don't, like he said, and, 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 and like we've come to recognize, I don't think any of us, Uh, could anticipate just how prophetic uh, that title and that message was redefining normal. And, uh, but you know, one thing that I'm really feeling, and I really feel like this is a big reset that God is up to something. And, uh, I know it feels like such a setback. And for so many people who are experiencing loss or whether that's health or life, um, or, or even economic loss, it's tragic. But, you know, one of the things that I, I'm sensing is that even though this is a setback in, in a major way, God is actually setting us up and preparing us for something great. Because although God did not cause this crisis, he's going to use this crisis. Amen. And so we've seen that throughout history, there are events that are so massive, they change the world as we know it. Take, for instance, the 20th century. And just to name a few, just to name a handful, these are not all of them. But in the 20th century, we had World War I, the Spanish flu, the Great Depression, World War II, the Vietnam War, the Cold War, the Korean War, and other major wars and events. And when you look back on the 20th century, 
It's really a time of uh, unparalleled um, invention and uh, pro- progress and science and, 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 and economies in, in the developing world and all, all sorts of things uh, went forward in the 20th century. But also it was a century that was full of turmoil like and wars like, you know, the World War One was called the war to end all wars. We had World War Two. We had the Great Depression. We had the Vietnam War. So much happened in the 20th century that if you were looking back and you were living through those times, I, I'm sure, I'm sure of it, that even during difficult moments in some of those times that people were saying, man, what, how, what is God up to? Is he moving? What is God saying in all this? You know what's crazy is in the midst of all that, when you look at the 20th century, it was one of the most powerful centuries when it comes to the Holy Spirit moving. It began in the early 1900s with the Azusa Street Revival. And all throughout the, all throughout the century, from the Pentecostal movement that turned into the charismatic movement, there was a move of God throughout the entire century, even while all of that chaos is going on. And that's just one century. And we know that God has been moving for thousands of years. And you know what? Circumstances and trying times come. But one thing is certain that God is always on the move. And so here we are in the 21st century. You know, we kicked off uh, the, our century with a extremely life-changing event, especially for us as Americans. In 2001, we had the September 11th, or what, what is commonly referred to as the 9-11 uh, attacks. That changed everything for us. Uh, if you remember back to where you were, I'll never forget where I was. It changed everything for us as Americans, and it changed the world in a lot of ways. And then, of course, in uh, 2007 and 2008, we had one of the worst financial cre- uh, worst financial recessions since the Great Depression. That financial crisis impacted so many people's lives. Um, it, it was felt not only in America but across the world. And here we are uh, at the end of 2019 and now in 2020. And the world uh, is facing a health crisis that is also potentially, well, not potentially, it already is somewhat of an economic crisis, but could potentially get worse. And we're praying that it doesn't. But, but as we see that whenever life-changing events happen, these massive events, there's shifts and things change. And there's this feeling that we all have that we're living in unprecedented times and unprecedented change. And I can't help but think, though, in the midst of all this, I know that, you know, and we don't have to minimize any of the suffering or any of the negative of it because some of it is bad. But here's what I know is that even in the bad and even in the chaos, God is always moving. As a matter of fact, God does some of his best work with chaos. The Bible says in Genesis that the earth was a uh, void and it was formless, right? And, and, and one of the words, when you, when you look at it in the Hebrew, it literally uh, was chaotic. But the Bible says that the spirit of God was hovering. He was, he was ready to create and God is an expert and he, he, is, he does it masterful, masterfully. He takes chaos. He takes crisis. He takes problems and he has a way of turning them around him and using them for his purposes and for the purposes of his kids and his people. Amen. And so that's where I feel like we're at. And the Holy Spirit, we saw that the Holy Spirit has moved powerfully in the 20th century. And he's moving powerfully now in our century. And I just, I just have this feeling um, that he is setting us up 
for an unprecedented move of the spirit. I know these are unprecedented times, but I just feel, I just feel it in my bones. I know pastor has said it. I know many people are feeling it. I, I know this is unprecedented. This is, we've never been through anything like this, but I think that what God is going to do in the coming days is also going to be unprecedented. It's going to be massive. I believe God is setting us up literally for revival because we have been forced to stop. We've been forced to be still and to contemplate. God has, um, like I said, God has not caused this crisis, but I believe he's using this crisis to arrest our attention. And in so many ways, we've been stripped of everything that maybe we're tempted to cling to. And, you know, the safety and uh, that normalcy and routine and certainty the, the, the safety that that brings feels lost right now because things feel so uncertain. And in times like this, people are searching for hope. People are searching for answers. People uh, are, are searching and asking the deeper questions in life. And so while I do believe God didn't cause this virus, I believe he's using it. And in times of uncertainty like this, it's very normal for us to ask, where is God? What is God saying? If you're like me or... or Every other human on this planet, whenever we go through times of difficulty and struggle, it's normal to have that nagging thought or the temptation of of, of having these thoughts of where is God? And, and, you know, right now God may seem silent or what is God saying in all this? And I want to speak to us just for a few moments today about when God seems silent, he's still present. And although we may be asking, where is God? I want us to see from the scriptures today that he's right here and he's moving. Amen. Would you turn with me in the book of Luke? Uh, We're going to go to uh, Luke 24, verse 13. I'm going to read here. This is right after Jesus had resurrected from the dead and word is getting out that he has resurrected. And this is what it says in Luke 24 verse 13. It says, now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they do not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? And so they, they, they are leaving Jerusalem and they're going to Emmaus and these are disciples and they've heard Jesus has resurrected, but they're uncertain about everything. They don't understand what's going on. Their, their Messiah, their, their hope and everything was, was, was crucified. And now they've heard that um, he's resurrected, but they're trying to make sense of all that. And, and we know that while they're walking, they were sad, which shows us that, that they were uncertain and they were feeling a, a lack of hope, right? And so this is what it says. It says, then one whose name was Cleophas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? They said, the, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that he has also seen a, they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. 
And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And then Jesus said this to them, O foolish ones and slow to heart to believe. And all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter his glory? And, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them and all the scriptures and the things concerning him. And so we see here in Luke chapter 13, it's this, this is so powerful because these disciples have heard that Jesus is resurrected from the dead. But, but when, when they went, they didn't see his body and no one knew where, knew where he was, right? He, he, had, he had resurrected from the dead. All they knew is that the, the disciples who went to the tomb had seen a vision and heard from angels, but the body wasn't there. And so these disciples were headed to Emmaus and they were trying to weigh all this out. And what you can feel from the text is this, is that when Jesus was crucified, what, what, what also died that day was their hope because they felt and they were anticipating that Jesus was going to redeem Israel in their own way. In a lot of ways, uh, they felt let down because they didn't understand all that God was doing. And, and in the middle of all this letdown, now they've heard that he's resurrected, but, but no one knows where the body, no, his body isn't there. And so they're trying to make sense of it all. And they're wrestling with doubt. They're wrestling with uncertainty. And as they're walking... And the Bible says they were sad. It says that Jesus appeared and he begins to explain some things to them, but they still cannot see who he was. And let's continue reading. We're just going to read a few more verses. Verse 28. It says, then they drew near to the village where they were going and he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is toward the evening. And the day is far spent and he went in to stay with them. Now, when it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, he took the bread, he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And this is what the scriptures say. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord is risen indeed. And he has appeared to Simon and they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was, he was known to them in the breaking of bread. What's some incredibly powerful uh, verses here because they, they, they were walking to Emmaus feeling sad, depressed, uncertain because those were uncertain times because they were trying to make sense of what was happening. And here they were wondering where Jesus was and he was walking with them. And, 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 and I know that this, this story is, is about his resurrection and it's, it's about them believing that he was risen. But I think it speaks to where so many of us find ourselves uh, in uncertain and difficult moments when we feel like, where is God and what is he saying? And, and here they were uh, wondering these things and, and God himself is walking with them. But the Bible says that their eyes were withheld from seeing who he was. You see, he was there, but they didn't notice him there. And he came in a way that they weren't expecting. And so in times like this that we're living in, it's so easy to say, where is God? I mean, if, you, if, if, if you're human, you've experienced and you've asked that question and people are asking that question. And we may even be saying, what is God saying right now? Because 
because of the circumstances and the situations around us, it can make us feel or it can, it could appear that God is far or distant from us, but nothing could be further from the truth. But their eyes had to be open. And so even in this, God is doing so many incredible things that we can't see. You know, I once heard someone say this, that God is always doing a thousand things and we're often only aware of five or ten of them. You know, right now, we may not even see it, but God is setting things up and he's orchestrating, as we said earlier, on the other side of this, I believe that to the degree that we have seen unprecedented uh, catastrophe and change, I believe is to the degree that we're going to see an unprecedented move of the spirit. And so while we may feel like God is distant or we may feel like God is silent, nothing could be further from the truth Because you know what? God is always on the move and he's always moving. And I I want us to see something, though, in this text. The moment it says that when they got to the village and and Jesus was going to go further, it says that they, they, they called out to him and said, no, 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 come, come eat with us. Right. And they still couldn't see who Jesus was, but they were inviting him in because the hour was late. And they were inviting him in to share a meal and and spend the night. And of course, in in their culture, inviting someone to a table to eat with you was very sacred. And so even though they were sad and still wrestling with all of these questions, something that Jesus was saying was ministering to them. And they did not want him to go, even though they couldn't yet see who he was. And so they invite him in. And the Bible says this, it says that as he was, uh, as, as Jesus was breaking the bread and he was blessing it, it says their eyes were opened and they saw who he was. And it was, was so, was so uh, powerful about this story. And I love this because, you know, Jesus is, is absolutely incredible, but I, I got to admit my favorite, my, one of my favorite things uh, reading in the gospels is Jesus after he's resurrected because he does some really cool things. I mean, Jesus is literally disappearing and he's, he, he he's, uh, he's walking through walls. He's because the risen Christ, he has, he has overcome sin, death, and the grave. And, and, and the Bible lets us know that he is not only um, alive, but he has become a life-giving spirit. Like Jesus is resurrected. And, and so Jesus is doing all kind of cool stuff. And so here in this scripture, it actually says that as their eyes were opened, he disappeared from their sight. And then they turned to each other and they said this, we should, I'm paraphrasing, they sh- we should have known it was him because our hearts were burning within us. And so do you see all of the contrast and uh, illustration in this story? There they were walking, basically saying, where is God? God's walking with them. And then he opens their eyes to see who that he was there in their midst. And then he disappears. And I've often asked that question. Why did he choose to disappear? Because you see, once they got a revelation of who he was. He no longer had to physically be with them in the flesh because their eyes were opened by revelation that he was already there. 
Amen. How many know that right now we don't even have to see him. We don't have to. We don't have to see the Lord in the flesh to know that he is with us because through revelation, through the through the gospel and through the presence of the Holy Spirit, we have this incredible promise and this reality that he is with us. Even though we cannot see him with our eyes, we see him with the eyes of our heart and we commune with him in the spirit. So when the spirit opened their eyes. He no longer had to be there in person, so he left. Why? Because even though he, he, he left physically, he was still as much there as he was before. And that's why right now we may be feeling, why is God silent? Where is God? And, I, and, and all along, he's, he's wanting to reveal to us even more. I've never, been, I've never been far from you. I've never left. I'm still as much here. Even through these uncertain times, I'm as much here as I've ever been. Because he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But you see, even though we know, you know, we can hear this truth and we can hear this, this gospel reality told to us many times, but like we've said, and throughout this message, many of us are human. And so when we're uh, not many of us, we are human, sorry, (laughs) but, but many of us, because we're human have, have gone through situations. And because of our humanness, we have had moments of uh, weakness and doubt where we've said, man, I, I, I know it says that he's with me. I know it says that he's working all things for my good. I know it says that he's going to, he's going to supply all of my needs. But right now it doesn't feel like it. It feels like God is far. And so it's, we actually go, I think through this process many times in our life where we're experiencing difficulty and it's, it's like a, it's like we're in a Psalm 22 moment. And and this is the Psalm that of course, Jesus famously calls out to from the cross and, 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 and quotes where, uh, where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't know about you, but have you ever been there where your circumstances are tempted to make you believe that God has forsaken you? And if, and if, and if you looked around and you only saw what was happening right now, you might be tempted. And, and so many are in this time to say, where is God? And uh, why have you forsaken us? Where, where, where are you in the midst of this? Right. And, and because that's a, that's a natural human emotion to experience in times like this, in times of certainty and catastrophe. But if you'll notice Psalm 22 continues, you know, it begins with, why, oh God, have you forsaken me? But you'll remember the very next Psalm, one of the most famous songs that we quote all the time. The very next Psalm is Psalms 23. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I want you to turn. I want you to turn to your family member, your neighbor. I want you to tell him he is with us, right? Your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so, beloved, this morning, I want to point out something that in times like this, number one, we need to be aware and practice his presence more than anything. Why? Because his very presence is the thing that brings hope. 
You see, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, the very reason they were distraught was because it felt like their Lord was taken from them. It felt like their Lord was not with them and they were wondering, where is he? But once they got a revelation of that he was with them and once he was revealed to them, all of a sudden the atmosphere of their entire life shifted to where they're running to tell the good news to other to the other disciples that they've had an encounter with God. And you see, that's what his presence does to us. His presence is safety. His presence is hope. His presence is life. And how many know what I'm talking about? You felt hopelessness. You have felt distraught. You have felt weak. You have felt without hope. You have felt like all is lost. And how many you've been there and then you've been in his presence and his, his very presence becomes like life to you. It becomes like bread for your soul. It becomes like water for your soul. It feeds you and nourishes you. And we see that an encounter with Jesus changed the atmosphere and changed the trajectory of these disciples, uh, the journey that they were on. And so I want to say that to you. His presence brings hope. And during these times, we have to be reminded that the Lord is with us and he is with us to the end. He is with us in everything that we go through. And though, although it seems like he may be silent, he is present. Amen. And number two, I want to challenge us this morning. I don't know about you, but one of the things I'm praying through all of this is uh, just like on the disciples on the road to Emmaus, Jesus came in a way that they couldn't recognize. You know, he was with them, but they couldn't see him. And I'm asking the Lord, this is my prayer for my life. And this is my prayer for all of us. And for you that are watching guys, uh, uh, God, give me eyes. God, give me eyes to see how you're moving in the midst of all this. What are you doing in the midst of all this? One of the principles that I try to live by is this. We can either focus on what the enemy is doing or we can focus on what God is doing. One of the things that I love about Jesus, Jesus never minimized anyone's suffering or pain or tragedy. No, but what Jesus did, he always chose to focus what what the father was doing on what the father was doing. So he lived in reaction. He lived in response to the father rather than reacting to the devil. And so while things are really tough right now and really hard, I want to encourage you to press into God like never before and and, and ask him for eyes to see and, and that we would be able to see him and experience him even in the midst of this difficulty. But not only that, on the other side of this, what he is preparing, because I think he is preparing something glorious for his people, for the church. I believe we're going to see God move in unprecedented ways. We're already seeing it. This crisis is already stirring things, Uh, even though it's stirring things in a negative sense on one side, on the other side, it is stirring things spiritually like never before. People are searching. People are hungry. People are desperate. And the Lord wants to use all of us in this time. But, but if, if he's going to use us, we've got to be walking with him. We've got to carry that revelation that he's with us. And we've got to hold on to the promises of God. And we got to know that we're coming out on the other side of this better than we were before. Amen. And so if in closing, I I'm just going to, uh, I want to pray with this as we close out this broadcast today. And if, 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 uh, if you would just, uh, there in your home, your car, your office, wherever you're watching, just in a worshipful posture, I want to first say to everyone watching, if there's anyone 
who's watching this broadcast and you've never given your heart to the Lord and you feel him today drawing you, you're feeling that that tug on your heart. We want to invite you to receive him today. The Bible commands these things to hear the gospel, believe the gospel, put your faith in Christ, be obedient to him and be baptized in water and receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we call a new birth, being born again. If that's you and you want to make that decision, we want, you, we want to invite you to call, call the number on uh, the screen. They're going to put the number on the bottom. We, we want to pray with you. We have, prayer, we have a prayer line as well. We have, we have people who are standing by who can pray with you and lead you, not only in that prayer, but can help you with the next step on that journey. Please don't do this alone. We want to walk with you, and we are so excited um, that you're taking that step. So right now, Father, we thank you for all of those who are hearing this broadcast that you are drawing to you. We thank you, Holy Spirit. The word says no one comes to the Father unless he's first drawn. We thank you that you are drawing the hearts of those who are listening to those who may feel like they are far off or feel like like you are far, God, who, who, who are desperate for a relationship with you, who, who, who've never known you but want to know you in an intimate way, Father. We thank you that you died, your body was bruised and beaten and your blood was shed, that we can be reconciled to the Father and have a relationship with you. So Father, we thank you right now for what you're doing. And Inspire Church family, I wanna pray this prayer over you. I wanna pray that during these times, our pastor's been talking to us about being sheltered in place. You know, the, the presence of God, his presence with his people is not just a concept. It's a, it's a very real reality. It's something for us as believers that's so precious. I want you to think about that for a second. Out of all the people who are walking the earth, we are set apart in that way. We are the only people who carry the spirit of God. We are the only people who carry his presence as believers. Think about that. So for us, this is not just a concept. This is a reality that brings us so much hope and joy and comfort, especially in the times that we're walking in. So I'm going to pray that that during these unprecedented times, that you and your entire home, that you're going to be sheltered in place, that in the midst of your uncertainty and your doubt or your anxiety, that you're going to experience the resurrected Jesus, the spirit of God, the presence of God, just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. So Father, right now, we've, we thank you, Lord, for your presence filling every home, every heart, God. Father, we thank you that just as you walked into their conversation, God, those of us who are facing moments of doubt and uncertainty, those of us who are dealing with anxiety or questions about the future, Father, we thank you that just as you've walked into their conversation, Father, we invite you to walk into ours. Speak today, God. Speak to our hearts, God. Minister to every family, every home. Bring your presence. Bring your peace, God. Bring your joy. The Bible says where the, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so, Father, we thank you for your freedom, for your peace. That, will be, that is filling homes right now. I pray and during these times, Lord, we would practice your presence and that we would know that you are with us. You are not far. You are with us, Lord. And God, give us eyes to see, 
open our eyes, Lord. Where our eyes have been hit, uh, shut, where we have not been able to see, let us see what you're doing, even in these times that are dark, even in these times that are uncertain. God, we thank you that you're moving. We thank you, that God, that you didn't cause this, but you're going to get glory out of this. So, Father, we pray that you would use our lives, use our families, use this church, God, mightily in the coming days. And, God, we thank you that you are preparing us for the greater things that you have called us to. And we give you glory today. In your mighty name we pray, in Jesus' name. God bless you, Inspire Church. Thank you so much for joining this this morning. We love you.